0: Hey, good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection, and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, I'm starting this recording or starting this reflection with the idea of reluctant resolve, reluctant resolve, and that framing is how I ended a private journal reflection about an hour ago. So it's Sunday morning at about 1045. It's 1043, but it was quarter to 11. And about 9, 930, I did a private reflection for myself where it ended with this idea of reluctant resolve. It didn't start there. It ended. It was about a 35-minute reflection. And I Once I worked my way through that reflection, I ended with what's called reluctant resolve. And so I parked that and then I said, well, it's been a week. You've been on vacation. You have not done a public reflection. You're going to need to do that. (laughs) So I've been like, well, what do I want to talk about? What do I want to talk about? And I really have just, there are a number of little things I could talk about, but I'm like, I don't have any kind of real commitment to talking about these smaller things. And so it has occurred to me that maybe I should continue the reflection on the reluctant resolve. Maybe I should at least poke it. And so I'm going to start this reflection off poking the end of an earlier reflection. And so I'll tell you more about the framing reluctant, um, excuse me, reluctant resolve on the other side of the disclaimers. But I just wanted to let you know that I am starting this reflection publicly where I end it privately. Okay. Let me do a little bit of housekeeping before I do my disclaimers. Okay. Um, I uploaded a YouTube video that I entitled INTJ Drama and Disclaimers. And in my episode that I released called "Elevation," I put out a call to listeners, and I asked for some feedback about this project, like what are the things that you guys like listening to. Um, and I also was talking about a drop in my downloads, which have kind of, kind of recovered, not completely, um, but I put that out. And there was a listener who took me up on that and went to my YouTube channel and made a comment on one of my videos, but he was really responding to the elevation episode that I released on the podcast. And so I did a, I did a 15 minute response to him. And so that response is entitled, um, INTJ drama and disclaimers. I didn't really know what to call it, but that's what I named it. So please go and check that out. And, um, Yeah, and I just want to say, if you're listening to the person who gave me that feedback, thank you for just taking the time. I said it in the other reflection, but I want to say it to you here. I appreciate knowing that you exist. You already exist in my imagination. All of you exist in my imagination. You're very real people in my head. But when you stop and take a moment out of your day to not just listen to me, but to give me some feedback, written feedback, you then become sensory data. And you then move out of my imagination and you become part of my sensory world. So I wanted to say thank you for doing that. Okay. All right. If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pussing pushing those two systems together. I identify as an INTJ-8. I also identify as being an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I am a trained and practicing educator of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. I loosely identify as a critical race feminist because I want people to know that I have an intellectual sensitivity to power in the social world, particularly as it relates to race, class, gender, and sexuality, to name a few. This project is unedited, it is unscripted, and if you want to know more about me or this project, please visit my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. That's under five minutes, yo. <laughs> Go to the last ep- the YouTube video to understand why I just said five minutes. So anyway, so reluctant resolve is where we're starting this. Um, where we're starting this reflection. I just want to give you a little backdrop to uh, the, ref- the the naming. I went out trying to. I don't want to try to give you the reflection that I did privately not because it's just that private because it's my private reflections are just even more scattered than my public reflections. And so I don't want to recreate that. Um, but I do want to give a little bit of context to the naming of that reflection and then see where this, where, where I go, um, how I'm going to move about. We'll see what happens. All right. So I've been on vacation and, um, you all know that if you've been, listening if you listen to the last reflection and the last reflection was named something of, it was about fear as like like my truth like something about fear as the bedrock to what's prohibiting my growth there's an area that i need to grow in and in that last reflection i think i did a week ago yeah it's been a week now i say in that reflection i i come to a, a, an element of truth and it's called fear that that's preventing me from moving forward in the way that i believe i should move forward so when i did that reflection after you know i had i hit the publish button i've actually gone and i've listened to it and it's a really good reflection for me. And, and and I think you guys like it too because um anytime so there was a time when <laughs> when I first started this project, I'm like, ooh, I have three three downloads for that episode. That was great. Then it moved to five. Then it was eight. I I hovered around. Man, if I got eight downloads for an episode, it was we were jamming. And then it was ten to ten. Um I wanna say that now I'm at fifteen. And I've, I've, I've hovered. I do have the, um, episodes that go beyond 15, obviously, but pretty, but 15 is the mark, right? For, for me to measure, oh, was that, did they appreciate that one? And that's how I determine. that's how I, how I analyze the data. So that last episode is over 15 and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that wasn't just a good reflection for me. That was a good reflection for them. Good. Win-win. Right. Um, But I also felt challenged by that reflection because while I do believe fear is truly the bedrock of what's prohibiting my growth, I do believe that. I don't know if I have named the fear. Because I think in that episode, I think at the, in that episode I was, con- I was really wrestling with Like the idea of me being an individual versus being an institution. When I'm an individual, I put myself in employment. When I'm an institution, I am doing the work that I need to do in my business, right? And honestly, I believe I am more institutional because there are a number of things I need to do in the world. There are a number of things I feel compelled to do in the world. And I cannot do those things as an individual. I'm going to have to do them as an institution. I'm okay with that. But there's another thing that I, that's on me that isn't institutional. I mean, there's a part of it that can be looped into the institution. But there's a, there is something on me that's connected to other institutions. Not just the institution that I'm supposed to be, but how I am supposed to relate to other institutions. I have to hold space for there to be an individual me. So maybe that's what it, that's what I'm saying. I cannot completely erase me, the individual, as I challenge myself to overcome the fear that I have in becoming the institution. Does that make sense? So there is an institutional, a, a call on me. There's an institutional pulling on me. It is there. I can feel it in my body. My body is confirming that. And there is fear associated with becoming an institution. There is that. I, I don't fully know what that fear is. I, I think I do. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if I can say it in a neat way. But the, I am also an individual Now, is it safe to say that I am not yet clear on the construct of me as an individual and an institution? Absolutely. I'm both and, but what is the nature of me being both and? I'm not sure yet. I'm not. That's going to come to me as I continue to think and reflect on this. Because this is the moment. This is a moment in time where I'm being invited to interrogate that. I didn't interrogate this Last year, I didn't interrogate it three years ago, and I didn't interrogate it two weeks ago. I'm interrogating it today. What does it mean to be both an, an individual and an institution? And I would imagine that as I interrogate that, I'm going to come to terms, I'm going to come to better terms of addressing and understanding the fear part of me. So that's that's that. <laughs> Anywho, that was my last reflection, okay? And that's what I've been chewing. That's one thing I've been chewing on loosely, not enough. The other thing is as I've been on vacation um, from the job with me, the individual, right? The individual me has been on vacation. I've been thinking about the job because I'm in the middle of a hailstorm. I have three battles that I'm contending with at that job. And it's a new kind of experience for me because each of those battles I've experienced before, I've experienced those battles before easily. So on one hand, I'm not, I'm not intimidated by it. Cause I'm like, yep. And I I know how that's, I know the playbook for that one. I know the playbook for that one. And I know the playbook for that one. And I feel comfortable. I'm an 8. <laughs> I'm, an, uh, I'm not just an Enneagram 8. I am an INTJ 8. And to me, that is like like a double barrel. I'm, I'm double locked and loaded. That's <laughs> an INTJ 8. I really feel that way. <laughs> However, I have not experienced those three battles at the same time. So that's new. And I have had to... I have unfortunately, and I deeply regret this... Me, the institution is very frustrated that me, the individual had to contend with the intersections of those three battles I'm dealing with at work. And it, because if I don't, if I don't contend with it, then they're going to consume me because the playbook for battle one is not the playbook for battle two. And of course it's not the playbook for battle three. And because these battles are not existing as in silos, they're distinct battles. Battle one, battle one, battle two, battle three. They are intersecting, creating a very unique condition that I'm going to call battle four right now. That's what's coming to me. Now, if you ask me to explain what battle four is, I can't. But my logic tells me that the intersections of battle 1, 2, and 3 is creating a phenomenon that I must call battle 4. That's interesting that that just popped out of me. We're going to park that there. So I've been spending the week processing the inter- the each of those battles and the intersections of those battles. And knowing who I am as an INTJ8, I cannot sit still. I have to respond. I have to respond. It's like, that's not even a question, (laughs) but it has been a question. And I think that I'm certain that that connects to this idea of the reluctant resolve. I'm not going to say I'm certain that is at the heart of the reluctant resolve. I have to take action. I do not want to take action because taking action further distracts me. It further situates me as me, the individual. And I don't want to give more attention to me, the individual, because I want to also contend with me, the institution. Wow, I didn't even think I was going to frame it like this, like this whole idea of the individual and the institution. I framed it like that in the uh, last episode, but I really feel like I'm getting inside of it. Like, whoa, that's interesting. Interesting. Okay, let me keep going. Something is here. We're all, I'm on to something. So, I spent my week <laughs> really thinking through each of those battles in each of the playbooks for those battles that I'm familiar with, knowing that they're not going to be enough to deal with the other battles and understanding that all three of those are coming. I, I have to, and what I've considered is like, Just all of them together. It wasn't until just now that I've named it as Battle 4. But really, that's what it is. So really understanding what is Battle 4. And that, there it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. It just hit me. Battle 4 is best. I'm great. I always tell you guys I'm about to get emotional. (laughs) And that happens when I just dump, when I get to the pocket. That is just—it's a—it's a tingling that I get in my body. It's—it's um, it's like a breakthrough, and so it—it it, it manifests physically. There's a physical sensation I get in my body, and I articulated about—I'll—I'll I'll say I'm going to cry. I'm gonna cry, <laughs> and I always said that that was fi, but I think it's a fi, se sensation experience. Although it's probably connected to all of it, right? All those functions. But anywho. So another thing that's happened this week, and I'm going to connect it to the battle four, which is the battle because I can't fight battle one, cannot fight battle two, cannot fight battle three. They're obsolete. They're obsolete because they're not operating individually. They're not as silos. Battle four is all three of those battles, and that's new for me. It's a new battle. I've never fought it before. Never, 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 ever have had to deal with all three of those battles at the same time. Okay. This week, while I was trying to figure that out in the aftermath of trying to really push and push myself to think more about this quote unquote fear, because it is true. It is a fear, but I don't fully know if I have fully got it. Right. Not yet. I'm close. Very, very close. But in the midst of all of that this week, we had hearings. There is a black woman. <laughs> that has been nominated to serve on the Supreme Court, the highest court of our land, right? It's historical. It's never happened. Oh. So there's that, because there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot located in that and I didn't really want to talk. Ab- That's one of the things I was like, do I want to talk about that in this project? I really don't want to talk about that in podcast number two. I want to talk about that in podcast number one. But Because podcast number one is edited and scripted. Do I have the emotional energy to do that in podcast number one? Because I'm still trying to have some time to think about my institution. Which isn't, which it's a wash. I didn't really get to do that this vacation. It's a wrap. And that's, that's scary. It's not just sad, it's scary. But anyway, and it's probably revealing. Okay. Let me just settle down because I feel like I'm getting super excited and I don't even know where I'm going. And it's, like, you know, I don't want this reflection to turn into a train wreck, but that's what, I, what's, that's another thing that's been going on this week would be the hearings of this historical nominee to serve on the Supreme Court, this black woman, and watching those, and I actually didn't watch the hearings live. I have since gone and gotten snippets of the, you know, I've watched a good portion of it by snippets. But, um, and that speaks to this other piece that most black women that I know, most professional black women I know, didn't watch the hearings. They didn't watch it. These are people who are that I know, where we were into politics. We get we, anything that's happened politically. We're in it, but we didn't watch that. And all of us from from the in my network, maybe it's just because of these people are connected to me, but everybody that I've spoken with have said, "I can't handle that. I can't handle watching that experience." Out loud, it's an experience I have every day as a professional black woman in predominantly, in a predominantly white world. I just cannot watch that. And, um, it was fascinating to just see that pattern, to hear that pattern. Now, I'm not going to say all black women feel that way. So if you have a black friend, if your best friend is black and you're white and your best friend is black and your, your best black friend did not say that. Okay great. But hear me. In my world the black women that I am connected to across space and, and three of these black women I don't even talk to on a regular basis. I probably talk to once a year. But because I've been unpacking this other situation, battle four, I've had to call upon them to get their perspectives. And um, and that's kind of what they said. So So there's that. And I'm I want to go into that a little bit with you, but I do know that once I unpack that, it is a wrap. And I'm not sure if I want to dedicate this particular episode to that. But in the point, the point that I do bring it up is because that experience, not just this historical moment, not that. And if you watched it, it was a, excuse me, but it was a shit show. But then honestly, the last hearing for the Supreme Court was a shit show, too. I watched that one. <laughs> I watched that one, like, with popcorn. <laughs> and I also did a podcast, in podcast number one. And it was funny because um, I didn't even know this was happening. This is how unplugged I am with, with the political world. And I'm embarrassed to say that. As a social studies teacher, and I'm not doing that work right now, but... I feel like I'm always going to identify as a social studies teacher. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that this 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 nomination had occurred. I didn't know that a resignation had happened on the Supreme Court. I did not know a, nom- a Black woman had been nominated and I didn't know that those hearings had started. And I found out because because of the shit show that was going on like these experiences were turned into like memes. People started sending me these memes. And people from the job, people who work from here, they were sending me these memes and they're like, this is what you've been going through. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because I'm like not plugged in. What? What do you mean? And so people who are not black were sending me these memes, understanding, watching this black woman go through this circus and immediately connecting it with what I'm experiencing at the job. They brought it to me. And I was like, what is that? What's?" Because initially, I can be so naive sometimes. Like, why are you sending me that? Okay. <laughs> and then when I talked to my aunt, who's a pastor, and she was like, sweetheart? <laughs> and that's a big deal because this is the aunt that has really broken my heart in terms of, and that's all connected to the intergenerational trauma, but And the fact that I'm still connected to the trauma, it's just part of the trauma. It's part of the structure of the of intergenerational trauma. But anyway, so she hasn't called me sweetheart in a long time, (laughs) and she actually has another nickname for me. I haven't heard that from her in in years, and so to hear that from her, it's just it's a whole other level. It's just a whole other level. We can talk about that separately. But anyway, so she's like, sweetheart this lady reminds me of you. And I was like, what? And so that's kind of how she brought me in. And then I went to go look and I'm and I'm like, oh, now I understand why my staff sending me this, these, these, these means. And then I started doing what I do normally with the news. I don't watch the news. I'm very controlled, like with how I take in data just because it, it how it, as an INTJ, how it's going to Influence me. I've had to learn that I've talked about this before. It's called priming that you the NI is primed whether we do whether we prime that introverted intuition intentionally or not. It's um, that inferior function called extroverted sensing is a priming function. And you have to be very careful what how you center your sensory world because it's going to influence your introverted intuition. So because of that, I'm very controlled. I typically can, I can be intentional in terms of how I prime it. I can do that. So I started going and listening to small clips of the hearing and uh, just like, yo, just watching it. And I found myself better able to embrace the battle, battle for, as battle better able to embrace the intersections of battles one, two, and three. Because they were not integrated for what? And that is, as a a trained social scientist, because I say that to you every time I get on this project, I'm like, I'm a trained and practicing social scientist. I say that every, every day. There's no reason why as a trained and practicing social scientist I could not integrate those battles. Now, I knew that they were bumping up against each other, and I knew that, like, I knew I couldn't... I I, I don't even say... I can't even say I had a... I need to be really honest. I didn't even have a consciousness of that battle one, the, the, the strategy for battle one could not be used for battle three. I literally was, over the week, trying to take create a course of action. And then as I would get so many steps into that strategy for battle one, then I'd be like, oh, but how is that going to impact this over here? No, 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 no. You can't do that here because it's going to have an adverse impact over there. And I say, okay, well, let me start over there. And then I start over there and I'm like, it loops me back to battle one. Uh, this is what I've been doing all week. Seriously. I'm being really honest. Why couldn't I, as a trained and practicing social scientist, take a step back and go, all of this is connected. This is all connected. But as I was watching clips of that hearing, it began, that connectedness began to get in focus. It's like a camera. It, literally, it started becoming focused, become clearer. And that clarity, that picture of the interconnectedness has given me a resolve. It's given me an acceptance of what the work is. Me, the individual in that work, in that particular workspace. I have a resolve of what the work is. And I have a confidence of how to do it. Now that I've integrated it. Oh, I have a, I'm confident. I'm an INTJ-8, you guys. I'm I'm double loaded. I'm, I, I, I hate to use a metaphor of a gun, but I'm just a double barrel. I got a double barrel over here as an INTJ-8. I really, really believe I do. I think all personality types, by the way, just so I'm not trying to act like I'm superior I think all personality types, when you take them and link them, with those systems—the Myers Briggs and the Enneagram—you're going to see a superpower on you that's amazing. You know, I have a uh, one another. I call her a friend, but she also listens to the project. I've mentioned her recently because she she's forced me to become more integrated, not because she in a negative way, but she she's in she's invited me <laughs> indirectly to become more integrated. Um, with myself. She doesn't know that she did that. Well, now she does because I told her. But nonetheless. Anyway, she, she contacted me recently and was like, I took the Enneagram. She knew she was an INFJ. She said, I took the Enneagram. I'm a six. Hope she doesn't mind me saying this out loud. So she's an INFJ six. She's not the first INFJ six I know. My heart coach is, a, is an INFJ six. So when, when this friend of mine said it, I was like, huh, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> So when you put those systems together, it just really gives you, it doesn't just give you a nuance to who you are. It it really highlights what your superpower is. Like it's just it's double loaded, you know? So anyway, but me as an INTJ-8 is just an interesting thing, okay? <laughs> and I've been thinking a lot about INTJ-5s and how I'm very, I'm different from an INTJ-5. I talked to an INTJ five. Oh, no, no, she might be an INTJ one. So I've talked to several INTJs in um, in the last couple of days too, black women, and it's that's it's made me think about the I the black the INTJ black women that I know. i like I want to do an episode on that. I've I've tried to tackle that under podcast number one. It wasn't successful because I don't think I had enough. Sophistication with the um, they um, it was just I just didn't, it wasn't ready, but anyway, anyway. So this idea of being an INTJ, let me just circle back because I'm about to go into a rabbit hole I don't want to go into. But um, so as an INTJ eight, I'm confident on how to move forward now. Now that I'm clear what the work is, now that I'm clear what battle four is, even though. I feel like I'm contradicting myself because when I first named it as battle four, I was like, well, I can't really say what battle four is, but yes, I can. That was an untruth. I don't know why I, at the moment. And I think probably be, okay, here it is. Here it is. When I, and this, in this reflection today, when I first said, oh, battle four, right. Because I hadn't named it as battle four until this reflection. That was number one. Then I said, I don't really think I know, I don't, I think I know what it is, but I can't name it. That's because I was looking at Battle 4 outside of my breakthroughs around this hearing. Because it's through the hearing that's given me a resolve of what the work is. Now I need to connect it to this framing called Battle 4. So let's say this, I'm clear. That's what my private reflection was about. I'm sorry, you guys, if I'm confusing you, I'm in my head right now. I'm trying to talk out loud and still be in my head, so... I am fully aware that this might be jumbly, disjointed, confusing. Okay. So just bear with me. All right. So I know what battle for is. Thank you to the Supreme court hearings. (laughs) Thank you for judge Jack, Jack Jackson. Thank you for doing that. And for, for providing a model, unfortunately for that. Okay. So I'm confident in what the, I need to do to move forward. I'm res- and I'm resolved. I'm resolved about what I need to do, and I'm confident that I can handle it. But I'm reluctant. I'm reluctant because I'm tired. As are the other black women that I've spoken with. Who said, I don't need to watch this. I live this every day. I don't need to watch her navigate. So here's the phenomenon: you have to show that you're competent. You have to show that you're legitimate. You have to prove it. You have to endure the battles of people trying to delegitimize you. People who are trying to show you as not competent. People who are going to mischaracterize you. You have to confront all of that while staying calm, measured, and guess what else? Friendly. You still have to be palatable. You still have to be palatable for the people who are not fighting you. (laughs) So the people, and I'm, I'm a, as an eight, I don't mind the fight. I don't want to fight, but if, you, if that's what we're going to do, let's do it. And let me put it this way. I'm not going to run for it. I'm not going to run from it. I'm a mature eight. <laughs> I'm just too old. Um, and I'm not saying physical fighting, but being an intellectual, a spiritual fight, a psychological fight, whatever, a professional one, a financial one, whatever fight it is. The younger me would have been like, jump up and down, like, yes, let's do it. I need to release some energy. <laughs> and the older me is like, no, I'm tired. But if, if you bring me the fight, I'm not going to run from it. I'm not. So, but who goes into a fight smiling? And, and be, and, and trying to present themselves as non-threatening and valid. And ch- I'm just like you. I, I'm, yes, I'm having a fight over here, but I want the rest of you to know that I am, I'm not going to interrupt your comfort. You can still be safe and comfortable with me. All while still having a fight. It's insane. And to do it with a smile, there's a TikTok that talks about, it It says, I can do all of that. I do it with a smile. I can't remember where it comes from because all TikTok clips are clips of real events. Most of them are real events. So do it with a smile. And so watching her endure that battle with a smile, it's like, no, nope, we don't, I don't want to watch that. I live that every day. And I think that speaks to my reluctance for... Battle four. Because part of it is I've gotta do it with a smile. I've gotta do it with a smile. I don't even know what else to say to that. And that adds an extra layer of labor. I'm going to pause and I'm going to go down this rabbit. I'm going to, there's a story I got to tell you about last night. It's going to be a rabbit hole, but I want to just talk about, it cause I want to make a point about labor. If I don't forget it, dear universe, please do not let me fall in a rabbit hole and get stuck there. So I, um, went out to dinner with someone, um, last night and it really wasn't, um, it turned into a kind of an event that I really would not have had with this particular individual but uh, there's nothing inappropriate about it Um, but i just like i wanted to do lunch (laughs) i wanted to meet with her at lunchtime she's younger um and um so i don't go out the only time i go out at night is if i'm hanging with my sister and more than 90 percent of the time i'm doing karaoke if i'm not doing karaoke i'm not out at night I just i'm not like you want to go out and have a couple of drinks? You want to have want to break bread? You want to eat? We can do that by six or seven because <laughs> I am just at an age like I just want to be home, right? I don't want to be out at night unless I am doing karaoke. So this turned this this thing this, that was for breakfast turned into lunch, and then it turned into dinner, and then she was an hour late. Oh my god, that's a whole separate conversation. Just how she handled that, and I am I am suspecting that she's an INTJ. Um, that's my guess. I don't know what's making me think that. I don't, but my hunch is that. Well, let me say this. She's an ITJ. I don't, I I, I don't know. I suspect she's an ITJ. You know, it's just fascinating too because when I'm out with an INFJ or ISFJ, if that F, if I'm out to dinner with somebody, they always, when we're like interacting with the waiter, like if I'm interacting with the waiter and the, I ask the waiter a question or the server a question, and um and then I say, thank you. Like the server gives me what I'm needing, answers a question, and I tell the server, thank you. Every feeler will also go, thank you. What, they, what the hell are you saying thank you for? <laughs> like, Why are you saying thank you? They didn't do anything like, but every last feeler when I've gone and and I've had, we've gone out and I'm interacting with the server, every feeler goes, thank you. (laughs) I'm not saying all of you are like that, but good grief. (laughs) The feelers in my world do that, do that. And maybe I'm the common denominator and maybe they feel like they need to do that because there's something about me that's that's in, more than likely There's something about me That's creating disharmony In the environment So that FE user Will have to go Now My sister's a feeler She doesn't do that But she's an FI According to the test So I don't know I don't know Either she's an FI Or TI I feel like she's TI But nonetheless So nonetheless, I'm I'm at dinner with this young lady last night. She's, uh, I think she told me she's in her mid thirties, which I was like, okay, I believe she's an INTJ. I really, really, really do. I'd love to just spend some time like talking about why and then connecting it up to these other black uh, female INTJs that I'm like, this is an interesting phenomenon. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. I would love to talk about connecting her because I think she's an INTJ with some other black female INTJs that I've experienced. Very similar. It's a very very similar phenomenon, and I don't know many white female INTJs or Latin, Latina female INTJs, so, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's something I'd love to just explore a little more because it's a definite pattern. It's a definite, definite pattern. There was one young lady who identified as biracial black, um, but culturally, like, she did not was not raised with other uh african Americans so there's a cultural difference I think there's a cultural difference anyway I don't gonna unpack that nonetheless <laughs> so anyway anyway so last night I'm con- I'm dealing with her as I experienced other intj um uh black women and um why'd I bring her up One of the things she did, though, and I don't know if this is INTJ-related, so this is separate. She really wanted me to be more, the word magnanimous is coming up. I don't know why, magnanimous. I don't even know if I can give you a definition, but that word is coming up. (laughs) I don't know if she wanted that or gregarious, but she literally started off by going, so you said you were dating. Tell me about that. And I was like, what? Like I like leaned back. I was like, what? <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't even wrap my mind around why she started off with like that. Number one. And then It it reminded me, she asked me another question maybe a few days ago that I felt was deeply personal and private. And so I felt like she was trying to continue that conversation. I mean, the first thing, and so maybe she's not an INTJ. I don't know. Anyway, I was just like, huh. So I, I just, I had to calibrate. Like you should, (laughs) I talk about the matrix a lot. (laughs) It was really like, I was like, you can see me trying to sidestep. The question, like yo, without being rude, because I didn't want to be rude to say, "Back up, chief," you know what I mean? Like yo, get out of my space. That's too personal, right? Who are you? Because this is a, a person that I believe we have the potential of building on friendship, and I want to keep the doors open. So I didn't really want to come out and go, "Yo, that's not your business." What? Up? That's not your business. Who do you think you are that you should be entitled? And that's one of the things I kept feeling like she seemed to be entitled. She felt entitled. To me, And I don't, I don't, again, I don't think that that's an INTJ or a black phenomenon. So I hate that I even brought that up. So erase it. But she definitely seemed to be entitled to me. And what I, what I concluded with that situation is that she, and we talked about, we talked about this a little bit. She's so used to observing. She said, I just kind of like to observe. And I wasn't giving her anything to observe. You had observer to observer at the table. She wanted me to just engage in storytelling and engage in whatever meanest so that she can observe and be in her head. And I didn't give her that. And it, it was just, it was destabilizing for her because she's an observer. And so then she moves about awkwardly. Trying to in, engage with me. And so we talked about that awkwardness. We talked about her not feeling. And, 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 I, you could see it. Like as we started talking, you could see the insecurities opening up around being in the world, being, being rare in the world and not really also, but also being drawn to me, right? Clearly we, we have a lot in common. So there's this, there's an attraction you know intellectually um to connect but then there's not a skill set <laughs> there's no skill set so anyway i would love to you guys i do want to come back and unpack that cuz that's fascinating to me that's like something i want to unpack a little bit but nonetheless um so i told her i said so you want me to labor for you it was something that she said i said basically you want me to do the heavy lifting because she don't want to have to do it. And <clears throat> I don't know where that friendship is going to go from here on out, because I do think I made her uncomfortable. As much as I tried to soften the blow, because of my age and my experience and my skill set, I was aware of what was happening. Uh, so I had to kind of like redirect her, and I tried to do it as soft as possible. But I'm learning that as an INTJ, what's soft for me it's just not really translating as soft, you know. It doesn't translate as that. But my thing is, well, shoot, if I don't, if you, if this is the softer version of me, oh my goodness, what would you do if I didn't filter myself? Good grief! And I don't, I don't know if that's INTJ or INTJ eight, but anyway, this is the idea of having to do the work so you don't have to do your work, so you can sit there and be an observer, and be in your comfort space, all while all, I not acknowledging that I'm an observer. I am most happy in the social setting where I get to just watch. And then we were both competing for that spot to be an observer, and this is the one argument that I make with other INTJs, and I even wonder about this with, with INTJ to INFJ. As I was, we don't have the capacity to be in the sandbox together because most of our time is in, we're minorities in terms of not racial minorities, but in terms of a personality type, we're rare. So we have not built, developed muscle of being in a sandbox together. So now... And we know how to be comfortable. I'm comfortable being an observer. Now I'm sitting across somebody else who's an observer and now I'm uncomfortable because now I gotta labor. And what I've told her is that I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna labor here. We can labor together, but I'm not gonna labor for you. Taking this back to the to the reluctant resolve. I don't want to do the laboring. So the resolve, the work that I have to do moving forward to tackle and I'm getting ready to close here, you guys. The work that I have to do for battle four. I'm going to have to labor. And some of it doesn't feel like labor because it's it's in the it's in the sweet spot of who I am. Except. That's not where I want to give that energy. Okay, it's coming to me. I'm having a breakthrough. And this is a good reflection for me. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I I'm glad I pressed through to do reluctant re, uh reluctant resolve even though I had done it in a private reflection cuz some more nuggets have come out of this. More gems for me. Here it is. Mm, mm, mm. This is, I'm going to put this in pencil and I'm going to come back and, and modify it. But it, just as a debut think, thought, a debut idea, as an emerging idea, this is what I'm thinking. When me, the individual, goes inside of someone else's institution, I don't, I don't want to take my superpowers there. That's crazy. I don't even know if that's a, if I should judge it, but I don't want to. I want to be in those spaces as an INTJ five. Huh. That is very interesting. I, that just came out of my mouth. I want to be more INTJ five-ish. I want to be less eight. That's basically what it is. And the truth of the matter is, when I was the individual, when me the individual was inside the institution before I left and did my own entrepreneurial thing, because I have had about 10 to 15 years of being, being, 10 years, excuse me, of solidly being on my own. Before then, I was an INTJ-1. I've been thinking about why I was a one, so so much about the field of education requires you to function as a one, being, mm, 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 there's a lot to unpack there, but I don't have time. And I think, I don't want to, so one thing is I'm not a one, even though I feel like I'm in, in spaces that have tried to indoctrinate me and socialize me as a one. Successfully, because I can test as a one. But when I drill, when I dig down into oneness, it's not me. And as I become more secure in who I am in the world, using all of my cognitive functions, right, that once that tertiary function, you know, I still struggle with it, but you know what I mean? I try to embrace it. I am not a one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I am an eight. and every, In each one of those instincts, I see myself as a social eight, a self-preservation eight. And even though sexual is third in my stack, I still see when I read the descriptions for the sexual eight, I see me there. When I look at the one in the subtypes, I do not see me as a sexual one. I do not see me as a self-preservation one. I see me as a social one. When I look at the five, when I look at Enneagram five, I do not see five sexual, five self-preservation. I see five social. But when I look at that eight, I see me in each of those instincts. I would encourage you guys to use it as a strategy. If you're vacillating on more than one of those Enneagram numbers, look at those instincts. And my thing is you should be able to see yourself in each of the instincts, even though you have a stat, primary, secondary, in third tertiary. Okay, so anywho, why did I say that? So I'm back in the institution. The individual in me is back in the institution. I know that I'm not going to be safe in that institution as an eight, fully on blast. So my solution. This is all that's something I've done unconsciously. I've not, or subconsciously, I struggle between the two concepts of of something being unconscious and subconscious. But nonetheless, you hopefully you get what I'm saying. I have subconsciously chosen to be in that environment as an INTJ five. I refuse to do it as an INTJ one, just because of the feminist part of me. I believe me as a feminist does not, me as a critical race feminist, does not allow me to do one anymore. I'd love to talk about how I did a one. Oh my God, that's... A- oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I need to come back and talk about how when I was doing oneness, I was uncritical. Part of the hearings... I'm jumping up, I'm, and I'm you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to close. Part of the hearing for Judge Jackson, part of the shit show was around critical race theory, which has nothing to do with her work. Although, in all fairness... Critical race theory is born from legal scholarship. She's a judge. That's her she <laughs> the legal discipline connects there could be a it's I can see the question. I can see why they would question. What are your thoughts on critical race theory because it was born through legal scholarship? But it is not a theory that you have to embrace. She does not have a record uh, portfolio, a reputation of doing anything that is remotely connected to critical race theory. So after they asked her about critical race theory once, twice, but I mean, when the whole thing was about critical race theory, it's like, that's not, no, 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 no. But me on the other hand, I'm evident There's evidence in my practice, in my scholarship, in my reputation of being a critical race scholar. I, that's why I would never be able to, I would have never been able to do what she was doing, because I would be like, guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> but there was a time in which I was not functioning as a critical pedagogue. I was not I was uncritical. There was a time, and when I was uncritical, that was when I was functioning most as a one, if, I, if I'm if i linking these systems together. One of the things I say we need to create is what's called uncritical race theory. We're going to talk about critical race theory, then that's fine. That's fine. But can we also name uncritical race theory? But I'm going to talk about that under podcast number one. We're not going to do that here. But moving on, I am realizing I'm an eight. I'm not realizing it. I'm an eight in a system as an individual inside of someone else's institution, knowing that I can't be an eight there or being an eight there destabilizes my security. And I'm also a self social self-preservation eight. I think if I was social sexual or if I was sexual social, this would not be an issue but self-preservation is strong and it tells me that I am not going to be secure in this institution as an eight. So I'm trying to contort myself as a five. There's your reluctance because fives don't want to use that energy unnecessarily. <laughs> right? But if I was a full-blown eight, I'd like, baby, let's do it. You want to fight that war? I'm, I'm ready for you. I can do it. But it's not... The place, it's not the locale for me to do that work as an eight. I'm not interested in that location, that space to do eight work in that institution. I'm interested in doing eight work for me as an, at where I'm the institution. That's where I want to do the eight work. My God, this has been interesting. This has been an interesting breakthrough. I'm sorry, you guys, this reflection got a little bumpy and jumpy, but there were a couple of things that I was trying to weave together and I was having several breakthroughs um, in this reflection. So I don't know how it showed up, but that's the thing, the reluctance, the reluctant resolve. I don't want to do it, but I am an eight and they are bringing these battles to me. And, And here's the thing as an eight, as a social eight, here it is, here it is. And I'm closing here, I promise. As a social eight, I'm more intellectual, right? I'm more, and I'm, as, I'm an INTJ eight, so I'm strategic. All battles aren't mine, right? As a regular eight, I'd be like, oop, I would just be more on, be on ready. Um, I'd be on beast mode more. I'd be ready to take on battles more. I'm not, which is why I always say that in order for me to be healthy, I have to be an INTJ eight and not an eight INTJ. I have to be, if I want to stay healthy. So as an INTJ eight, I'm strategic like, no, yes, that's a situation. That's a prop. That's a power imbalance, but that's not my battle. I'm not going to fight that one. I'm not going to fight that one. Nope. Not going into the fire, but you're bringing me the fire. And once you bring it to me, there is no way in hell. Excuse me. There is no way in hell that I'm going to sit and burn baby. Bye. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> those of you who are culturally with me, you already know what I say. Mm-mm. <laughs> no, baby. <laughs> no, baby. So anyway, no. So you bringing me this battle. There's no way I'm just going to sit there. But good night. I sure don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't feel like giving you my energy. I'm sure because all because it's not my battle, really. It's really, it's, it's really a larger battle that has nothing to even do directly with that institution. I can fight that battle as a war when I'm the institution. I'm not interested in that battle. I'm really not. But, uh, apparently that's what's going to have to happen because that's what it, it's, and maybe that's maybe. I don't know. Oh, Lord, we got to close. But maybe that's what the real challenge is. When it was coming to me as battle one, I was like, nah. Battle two, nah. And I was like, yo, the universe, like, you are getting ready to confront this. And we're just going to dial it up. We're getting ready to dial it up. Because you. this is what we have to do. (laughs) So anyway, I just told somebody, you know, I... Uh, 20 years ago, something similar happened to me where I took a job and I was like, you're just going to keep your nose to the ground. You're not going to have any problems. You're not going to fight any causes. You're just going to be complicit. You're going to be compliant. You're just going to, they tell you to do something, just shut up. You're just going to do it. And got all the way to the end of that school year and a, and a, and a battle came to me and I just could not ignore it. I could, it actually came to one of my female students who was, um, um, yeah, anyway, well, I'm going to open that up. I had to protect her. And, and and being called to protect her put me in in fight mode. And I'm like, good grief! <laughs> and so I'm like, I got all the way to the end of this year, and it's like, good grief, good grief, universe. But the universe is saying back to me, "But you are an INTJ eight. You're just gonna have to accept it." And so it's just an acceptance piece. I think I'm still struggling with, even though I had that breakthrough, the learning curve when I. Mean, I've cried I was like this is who I am yeah I still have some work to do because I'm still trying to not be that I want to be an INTJ 5 I want to be an INTJ 5 The universe is like nope you're an INTJ 8 deal with it (laughs) so anyway you guys if this reflection has had any value for you please give it a heart I'm going to go over an hour sorry but I tried I really really tried to bring closure if my talking about just um really is still in the pocket of dealing with the essence of a person, right? When you are who you are at the core and you have negotiated that your survival and your safety means to be a bastardized version of the self, to be a closeted version of the self, to be a distorted version of the self. If you've negotiated with yourself and that's the strategy, I'm not judging it. But then you also know what ha- what it feels like to negotiate to be a distorted version of yourself, to only confront a situation where you're no longer able to use that as a strategy. I can no longer be a distorted version of myself, at least not at the distortion that I was trying to do. If you've had an experience like that, if you've talked about this distorted treatment that you have willingly done, there's no judgment. We all have to what's called um accommodate at times we have to accommodate the social world at times we can't be all resistant even though we want to have impact in a the world there are times when we cannot resist we have to accommodate and if in your decision to to accommodate for survival for whatever reason you've had to talk about this and you've been challenged by that decision Please take this link and share it with those participants. If you also watched the hearings and said, that's a shit show, I'm not, unplugged, or you've talked to other people who said, no, can't watch it, take this converse please take this episode and share it with those participants. If you watched the, if well, I guess if you watched it and you were like, if you think that that judge is a critical race theorist and you are insistent on seeing her like that, I need you to do me a favor. Stop listening to this podcast because I ain't got nothing for you. You, (laughs) no offense, no offense because you know, you guys, I'm talking about having followers. No, I don't, no offense. I want you to be well in the world, but you don't need to come back here, okay? (laughs) Because listen, you're the reason why I started adding that disclaimer because I want people to know I'm not apologetic. I'm not apologetic about systems that harm and it is a luxury. It's a luxury to sanitize race. It's a luxury to nullify it as a thing in a world. A oh, race that's not a thing. Let's use a fraction of Dr. King's words. Let's use a fraction of Dr. King's words. Do not judge you on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character. Yeah, that part. Let's just pretend like that's really a thing. And then we're going to ignore it. every time you fill out a job application, every time you fill out medical papers, every time you fill out insurance papers where you have to acknowledge your race. We're going to ignore that part. Because race is not a thing until you want to make it a thing. But for people who are living within a racialized context, when we talk about race, then we're invalidated. Only you can talk about race right? Because you're the comfort and we're supposed to labor for your comfort. Oh, what does that sound like? Slavery? Oops. Let's not go there. Okay. (laughs) Right. So, uh, no offense. Thank you for listening. And I do believe I have a couple of y'all who are dropping in here, not because you are with me and talking about the social context and the social world, because you know, I am a perceiver. And you do know as an ni down I'm bringing a pers- excuse me I'm bringing a perspective that you have a, you're curious about so you tolerate a lot of this other stuff for me because you want that so anyway, I can't stop you from being here but whatever but for everybody else <laughs> even if you don't really understand critical race theory or if that's not your theory of I get it you don't have to but you at least hopefully you're coming back because you do appreciate. My perspective about the social world, you do appreciate that I am bringing forth a perspective that's heavily influenced by being not just an INDJA, an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma and being a trained and practicing educator and social scientist and a critical race feminist, right? All of that. There's a reason why I give all of that in the disclaimer because it flavors how I do my reflections. And I'm assuming that you are here for all of it, all of it, the sum total me, the sum total me. So, anywho, <laughs> I sound a little one today, and I sound a little preachy, did not. <laughs> so, anywho, but if those conversations you've had in the world, please take this link and just share it as as it's relevant, only as it's relevant. And if my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, please take this link and share it out. Mm-mm, that's not true. If my reflection has caused some randomness in you, please find a way to share that randomness with me. I'd love to hear it. Again, thank you for the person today, um, sometime in the last day or two who's, who stopped on my YouTube channel to give me some feedback about what content he likes to hear. I'm gonna have to do some work, some homework about the feeler men. He wants me to talk more about feeler men. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I gotta, I think if I'm understanding him. Correctly, I got to do some homework on that, and I need to think about it. But I'm I'm excited by the challenge. <sighs> let me give you your assignment. Hold on, a oh, let me tell you how you give you how you can give me feedback. I'm so distracted right now. You can find me on my website at yourni.com On Twitter, yourni.com one. Facebook, it is actually called I. Dumb. I have a Facebook page. I have not done anything with it, but it exists. I don't know if it's public yet, but it's called Urin I Um it's a page, it's not a group. It's not it's a page. And um what's one other account? Oh YouTube. You're in I All right, now let me give you your homework assignment. I think what I'm gonna do is link this question to my last question to you. I think the last question I asked you guys is What fear do you have and how could that fear be impacting your growth? So I'm going to do a spin off of that. What area of your life are you experiencing fatigue? What area of your life are you experiencing exhaustion? You're just tired. You're not afraid. You're just tired. And in that exhaustion, you've, you've negotiated rightfully or wrongfully to try to minimize the thing that is causing the exhaustion. What is that thing that's causing the fatigue? Can you name it? First of all, can you name the fatigue? Most of us don't even have the luxury to pause to say, yo, I'm tired I'm tired. So take a moment. Find some quiet time. Pause and ask yourself, are you tired? Is there anything that is exhausting to you? Is there any fatigue that you're dealing with? And if you have any energy left over, ask yourself, what is the thing that's causing the fatigue? What is the thing that's causing the fatigue? What's causing that exhaustion? And don't even I'm not even giving you the assignment to tackle it. Like me, I'm it's a reluctant resolve. I'm not asking you to have a resolve. I'm not gonna push you that way. I have to for this particular battle, battle for. I have to move forward. I don't have a choice. I tried to ignore it. I tried to ignore it. But the universe has dialed it up for whatever reason. Like created a trifecta. (laughs) Like, yo. So I'm not asking you to confront it or resolve it, but I am asking you to name it. What fatigue are you experiencing and what's causing it? You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you. Until I come back, be well. Bye.